From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. On location in Burbank at the Warner Brothers Studios, we are here to observe the Writers Guild of America strike, and a special part of this strike was organized by Dr. Rebecca McKendry um, of Horror Writers, and we've got a really esteemed group out here representing, and this is Postmortem, and I'm Mick Garris, and we are here, and Rebecca, podcaster, screenwriter, director, most recently of Glorious, Tell us how the idea came together and, and how you actually brought this world, this community of horror f- folks in L.A. who are very tightly knit. Yeah, we are a close-knit community. So the idea originally came to me um, by my co-organizer, Andrew Lobel, um, who I know from our Dead Right Horror Trivia, our pub horror trivia nights that we do in Los Angeles once a month. And he had emailed me and basically said, like, you, you like organizing things. Any interest in coming with me on this adventure? And immediately I was like, you know, every project I've got is on pause right now, of course. So, yeah, let's bring the horror community together. Let's get them out. Let's make a statement. Let's get some costumes and, and make it huge. And so we started a very grassroots social campaign. I started emailing um, people like yourself, who I know are pretty um, tight within the horror community, and it just spread from there. Yeah, I sent it out to the Masters of Horror list and it got everybody out there. So tell me how the strike has been affecting you. So everything I was attached to is on pause right now. A lot of the projects that I was in the process of writing, even stuff that was close to going that I was now doing a director's pass on, things like that where it's like, you know, I was supposed to be in Ontario in August shooting. So everything has been on pause, but at the same time, we're here for a good reason. It's a pause that, you know, though it's painful for all of us, 
you step back and go, well, I just got a residual check for $16. And that's why we're here is because, you know, there is no middle class in Hollywood anymore. You're either a struggling artist or you're doing huge. And even the folks who are doing huge are not doing as huge as, you know, they should be. Absolutely. And there's so many filmmakers you would know by name who can't make their living as yeah. filmmakers. And surprisingly, and I always thought that I was the only one for the longest time, but most of us work day jobs because we have yeah. to. I'm a professor at USC. I know a lot of filmmakers, names that you would like, oh my gosh, I've seen all their films that, you know, they edit news by day or, you know, do dubbing for international films. And we all have to have these side hustles to keep afloat, but we're working full time in the industry too. And it didn't used to be like that. And it needs to go back to the way that it was where you could make a living working as a filmmaker. Well, tell me what are the the causes that resonate the most with you? Is it the streaming issue? Is it the AI issue? What what is most important about this strike because this is going to be a long one. it's going to be a long one and i have to say all of the above for me personally the streaming issue is a big one um and i have explained it to my students because they're like well if you have a hit show on netflix like they pay you right Yes, but it's following an antiquated model. And they pay you once. Once, yeah, that's it. Is It is not, they're following a very kind of antiquated model because the way that Hollywood was paying people was really kind of set up in the 70s and 80s, how a lot of the pay systems work. And they haven't evolved for streaming platforms. They haven't evolved for Netflix and YouTubes. And what if your show is on MGM Plus, but then goes to Hulu and things like that. And there's really no model set up for it. And so many filmmakers, myself included, will suddenly go, hey, wait, my film's streaming on Hulu. I made that film. I haven't received any residual checks from it playing on Hulu, and I never will because it wasn't built into the initial contract. So when I see things pop up where suddenly my film and my work are streaming places, you don't get paid for it anymore, and that should not be the case. Nobody knew that streaming was going to take over the industry. Exactly. Everybody streams more than they watch broadcast TV, more than they watch cable TV. Yep. And so we need to kind of build it so that it is structured that way for writers. And writers, you know, it's... The backbone of everything that we do is the screenplay. And filmmakers know that, but a lot of times the execs seem to forget that. There has become this sense in Hollywood of writing is a privilege. And the number of times that I have been told, we're not paying for development. We're going to need you to write the screenplay on spec. Or we just don't have development funds right now, but if you write the pilot, we can really get this moving. Which is so against all of the writers' guild rules. Oh my gosh, yeah. It is total shit. But I get told that by major studios. I've heard, well, we love this project. We don't have development funds right now. If you think you could do a pass on the script, we can move this forward. Yeah, I just got asked to uh, write a feature um, based on a best-selling book, and there's no way I'm going to do that on spec. Yeah, it's a huge undertaking for me to write a screenplay that I love and feel really good about. I mean, I'm a minimum of a couple months. Well, it's Um, our job. Yeah. And so you don't ask people to make your shoes for free. And then if you sell them, you get a piece of it. Exactly. And so the whole pay in the rear, I mean, I spec'd for a couple of years when I was first starting out and those screenplays never got made. So well, but that's an important part of the journey anyway. Everybody starts. You write to show what you can do to get better at it Mm -hmm. and to have a sample. I've got some of my favorite scripts were written in the very first years of, of my career before I had a career. 
but they gave me the career even though they've not been made yet. Mine too. Yeah, I sold a couple to studios as soon as I got here and it's what got me future work in meetings. So those first few, you have to. It's how you get better. You have to practice. But when I've got major studios asking me to write pilots for free, we love this. We love the Bible. This is perfect. We can see this next fall. We can't pay for development. Can you write the pilot? Uh, they're getting paid, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like suddenly like, I, I know you're you know, out there driving a Tesla and everything. So yeah, I need to pay my rent as well. And that's part of why we're here. The AI stuff, I can't even like that. It just fathoms my brain that that is part of the battle that we're fighting out here. But we are the yeah. idea that a computer could write just as well as any of us is absolutely ludicrous. A computer will borrow from every previous idea and make the least creative writing that you can possibly come up with. It's, it's just a, a, a mashed potato pile of regurgitated ideas. And that's it. And what we're going to get is very derivative filmmaking. And especially ones that does not have human emotion. We're going to lose character in that work. Because when you start looking at like the big broad picture of Hollywood, the first thing that's going to go is dynamic pick characters. Characters who have nuances, who have different levels to their personality. And I, I fear that we're going to lose a lot of what makes our classic cinema good in that. Even in horror, jump scares. Jump scares are art form. It is a combination of every element of filmmaking, how it's written on the page, how it's being sold, the character's position, everything like that. I can't even imagine crafting a jump scare to the degree that Mike Flanagan or James Wan can. It yeah. just, they're artists in that Choosing capacity. Choosing the lenses, mm -hmm. the lighting, the sound design, the music, everything is such an important part of our genre. Very much so. So it scares the crap out of me that you know it would come to that where a computer is taking away a creative job to a degree like that is where it gets painful yeah well thanks becca and thanks for putting it all together thank you so much all right great to see you on the lines awesome seeing you also walking the picket line my good friend alejandro Bruges, the writer director of juan of the dead and on nightmare cinema and puka 2 and so many other things you've seen and loved alejandro tell me about your involvement as someone who came from another country to work under the auspices of these guilds, the American guilds, the DGA, the WGA. Tell me how it feels to be participating in something that's protecting creative rights that you don't see in other countries. It feels amazing. And actually, you know, funny story, way before coming here, I, I was already a writer in Cuba, but I always dreamt about coming here and, and being a member of the WGA. And in 2007, there were some WGA writers that went to Cuba during the strike and they brought uh, strike signs and they oh, took wow. pictures with a bunch of uh, Cuban writers and I was one of them. And the other day, someone posted, uh, one of them posted those pictures on Twitter. So I had pictures in Cuba in 2007 with a picket sign. So it feels like it was a long time coming but i yeah. was I, I had to do this so yeah oh, i know so, it feels fantastic it's so important and you're so committed to this that you volunteered to be a strike captain 
and tell me what that entails. Well, wait, 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 wait. They asked me if I wanted to be a strike captain, and I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to screw this up and we're going to lose because of me, but I cannot say no. Yeah. And essentially, I have a, a, a team, a group of writers, and I just inform them of what's happening. Like, well, these days, uh, I just check in on them from time to time and see how are they hanging on, like... Uh, are they picketing that kind of stuff but like everything leading up to the strike uh, there was a lot of emails informing them with how the negotiations were going how things were uh, looking uh, I think I was probably a bit more optimistic in my emails than I should have <laughs> but you know it's good to be optimistic and, and it I mean it's it's uh, it's great to be doing this and it's um, I love being a captain captain Bruges I've yeah. always wanted that <laughs> it's great. So tell me the the most important elements that we're fighting for that this strike represents. Is it is it the streamers? Is it the lack of residuals from streaming? Is it the threat of AI? I don't I don't think I, I don't like singling out one issue because it makes it feel like it's more important than the others. Yeah. And I have the feeling that the whole system is broken and AI is going to break it even more. And I think we're fighting for the survival of our profession, uh, for the future of our profession. So I think all of those uh, points that you mentioned are equally important and we, sh we have to uh, win on all of those. Well, I've been through two strikes before. Both of them were very long. This I Only have two? a few... Well, let's see, 88 and 2007, there might have oh, been another okay. one in there. But um, this one seems like the most important. There's more at stake. Nobody knew what streamers were going to be when the yeah. last uh, deal was negotiated. But um, this is so different. And you, you represent part of this horror community that is so tightly bonded together, braided together. And tell me about the solidarity that you feel within the genre. Well, first, there's a lot of solidarity between all the writers here. It's oh, amazing. Sure. It's amazing. All the writers that you see here, uh, like from people that are just starting, I don't know, even WGA to very established writers, and everyone is here, and you can feel that solidarity all the time. I have also, from day one, met a bunch of horror writers that I didn't uh, know here, and we were like wondering when are we gonna have horror day, and and well, Rebecca stepped up and did it so it's great and it's amazing to see all these uh, friends uh, out here like uh, doing this it's you know it feels uh, it feels like one of our dinners it feels he, like home yeah. only we're doing 10,000 steps yeah. 20,000 steps <laughs> that's right right around the corner from where we usually have our dinners don't give that away oh okay I'll keep it a secret <laughs> but yeah exactly it feels it feels uh, great it's like a party I'm seeing a lot of friends today well what has the writers guild meant to you um, I can't. Here's the thing. I've always wanted to be a writer. Like since way before, wanted to be a director. I started screenwriting. I've always, all my life, I wanted to be a writer. There's nothing I respect more than this uh, profession. And when I joined the guild, I think it was the one of the happiest uh, days of my career and my life. So it, it's really important for me. Um, and I think I love that they are fighting for us and I love uh, what the WGA gives us. So I think we need to protect that and we need to... Yeah, there um, wouldn't be minimums 
Oh yeah, and, the pay and I mean, and so let's, it wouldn't be healthy. And let's raise them. Yes, <laughs> because please. you know, it's in the genre that we do, especially, we hear that word a lot. Yep, minimum. Yeah, <laughs> bare so, minimum. Yeah, so yeah, let's let's raise them a, a bit. All right. Hopefully. Well, solidarity and thanks for joining us, Alejandro. And it's all any reason I get to see you makes me happy. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's keep uh, catching up while we walk when you're done doing this. You got it. All right. <laughs> Thank Ali. you, Nick. Thank Take you. care. All right, pulling from the line, another one of our uh, uh, strikers saluting the WGA from within the horror genre, Axel Carolyn, writer-director of The Manor, director on uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Mayfair Witches, and what else do you want me to say? American Horror Story. American Horror Story, um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, she, just a really talented filmmaker and a really close friend for many years, and it's so great to run into you on the line here. And Tell me about what you think is important about this strike. Well, first of all, hey, how you doing, Nick? <laughs> Great. Um, I think that I keep hearing of those mythical times where people would be hired for a job and then they could buy a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds so amazing where they would write or direct a project and they would make residuals later on that would allow them to go through the leaner years where they're not working. And these things don't exist anymore. And with the advent of streamers, more people have had the opportunity to get into the industry. And I've, I'm definitely grateful that I've had a shot, you know, directing for Netflix, writing for Netflix. But the downside of that seems to be that we just don't make the same. We it's much harder once. to make a living yeah you get paid once and then what you get paid in residuals is is minimal and um and if you make a movie like i did that to go straight to streaming it's considered television so your residuals also don't allow you to live for very long and as we all know people don't make a movie every year it's just not or very few people get the chance to do that so it's not sustainable and and i think that this is what we're all fighting for is the chance to consider writing a career again and something you can do that sustains you and allows you to have a family, allows you to buy a house in Los Angeles someday, who knows, the impossible dream. And um, yeah. Well, the, the residuals and minimums wouldn't have existed in the first place without the creation of what was then the Screenwriters Guild and now the Writers Guild of America. And it's just such an important thing because we are now like at the beginning of the industry. Uh, with streaming because streaming just completely ignores the the work of all the creators. You get paid once and then you're done. It's a brand new fight, but the great thing is that we've got the infrastructure, the WGA, and we've got the solidarity. And a day like today where all the horror writers are joining the fight, and many, by the way, have been on the line, myself included, most days until now. Yeah. Um, it's pretty great. It just it makes you feel like there's a genuine community and there's a genuine sense of everybody's fighting for the same thing and we are all interested in the same issues. Yeah, and the the genre in particular is so committed to one another and so supportive of one another that it's not rife with jealousy and competition and all of that. And when it comes to something as important as new rules for the Writers Guild, minimums and things and residuals. It's great to see everybody come out like this. Absolutely. There's a sense of community within the horror industry that's always been there, that I've always loved. A lot of us live on the same side also of the uh, geographically of the city, so we get right, to hang out quite side. a bit. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's it's 
on a day like today, we have Rebecca McHendry to thank for organizing us, but she just put up the call and everybody answered. And, you know, drama writers, balls in your camp. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. There, I haven't seen Western Writers Day yet. Western Writers, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is so great. It's so great to see you here and so great for all of us to be here for such a great cause. So, Axel, thank you. And thank I'll you, see you really soon. And now... Pulled from the picket line just to talk to us is Mike Mendez, who uh, you might know as a writer-director of Big Ass Spider, Satanic Hispanics, um, and Grave Dancers, any number of things. But he was also the editor of our movie Nightmare Cinema. So, Mike, tell me uh, about what the WGA has meant to you. Well, I mean, look, the, the main thing that, what it means to me is, is that it means security. It means health benefits. It, it means, you know, that, that we're going to have a pension when we grow old. Uh, and this is the time to protect it because we're, we're under some major battles here that need to be fought. Obviously, the streaming uh, uh, wars and the residuals with that needs to be figured out because it was like, and, and I think what's different this time is that we're, it feels like we're fighting against a tech company, not, not a movie studio. And I don't think they value the, the, uh, uh, what their their product is built off of, you know, which is our backs, you know. So uh, so that's hugely important. And of course, we gotta start the AI conversation now because this this will uh, replace everybody, you know, sooner than later. You know, I, I don't I don't from what I keep seeing, I don't know how good these movies would be, but. I mean, you know, they say like, hey, you can order Star Wars starring you, you know, yeah. tomorrow. And, and, uh, and it's just regurgitating what has come before. Right, exactly. And so I, I think, you know, the important thing is that we need to band together. All of us, all the unions need to band together and figure these things out now because they don't give a fuck about us. They're, they, they, We are a product to them. If they could feed it to a computer and do our work, they would do it in a second. So uh, they need... So, yeah, some, some stuff needs to be figured out right now, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me also about, you're, you're very much a part of the horror community, mm. which is a closely knit one. Now. Absolutely. We've been talking to everybody about it. Actually bringing everybody together from the genre right. for this purpose is really exciting, and to do it in front of the studio at the Warner Brothers studio. Well, I love, I mean, it's one of the best things about, about the horror industry, I feel. First off, I'm very biased because I just, uh, you know, most of my friends are in it, and I just feel they're the best people in the world. I just, I just, you know, <laughs> everyone agree. is kind and, and smart and, you know, talented, and, and I just feel it's a great bunch and that, that is very genuinely supportive of each other, which I think is very rare in this industry. Uh, but no, this is great. I was also here in 2007 when, when we all band, banded together to have an exorcism yeah uh, that was a lot of fun I uh, was there yep. yeah. uh, so it's nice to, to do it again this many years later I mean I guess it's not nice I wish we were under better circumstances but right. I'm I'm happy that we're still doing it I, I was a little lamenting when I saw the superhero day and I saw the you know the newsies sing along I'm like Where, where's the horror people you know when when can I bring a chainsaw which I didn't bring and a here we are here we are but we're, I brought a critter so that's, that's uh, that will uh, <laughs> that will double for anything yeah totally and my dog Hitchcock which is a critter on all himself he, right. he comes and strikes with me every day so uh so that's good so. that's awesome well yeah. mike thanks for joining Absolutely. us and thanks for the solidarity and this really important uh event that's taking place also here off the strike line across the street from warner brothers studios bobby miller who we have something in common yes. he did the most recent critters movie critters attack reboot that's true. And it's my an honor first to movie. meet you, by the way. <laughs> and it, my first movie was Critters 2. So we're on the same team regardless. But especially today, all of the horror creators have been brought together by Rebecca McKendry. Uh, and we're here to just 
share the solidarity of a really important contract. Yes. And so tell me what the WGA has meant to you. Um, for me, it was a big deal when I, jo I actually joined, I'm not sure if I should say this, on an uncredited rewrite on the Critters movie. <laughs> By all means. Um, There's so, so many I, uncredited. You know, I kind of, I, I was just so proud because I, I, I began writing as a kid, short stories and stuff. So I, I'm in several unions, but the Writers Guild meant a whole lot to me. Uh, in particular and um, so I'm just happy to be out here supporting and this the critter that I'm holding right now is actually uh, in in the union as well he's a part uh -huh. of SAG I don't know oh, if you know that. the puppeteers yeah, union yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great so how many guilds are you in? Uh, I'm in SAG IATSE and the WJ, uh, but not the DGA. Ah, just, not yet. <laughs> not yet. That's no. the next one. Well, yeah. one of the great things is the solidarity between the different guilds because that's unique to this strike. Yeah. Um, as a member of SAG, we've been contacted by our union to vote for the right to strike. The DGA is also being very supportive of a strike um, and probably will go out if it gets to that point, and it almost certainly will yeah. so this is really important what are, what are the things that are at stake that are most important to you um, I mean for me it's just there's there's just not a, a way of life for writers I, I just feel like it's it's I mean I guess in a way it's a kind of a testament to how many unions I'm in because like I couldn't make it just writing you know and I think um, it's that the residuals and then uh, personally ai is a little troubling for me yeah uh i think there needs to be some strong strong anti-ai language yeah uh, i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, uh billy wilder depth of writing from uh, yes i agree what's been fed into <laughs> a computer and regurgitated yeah, yeah. well uh, bobby thank you for being a part of this and joining us and bringing the critter yes Thank you. Uh, Critters 2 is my favorite, by the way. I just want to ah. make sure you know. Okay. Other than Critters Attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But come on. Critters 2. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. <laughs> Take care and All solidarity. Right. Thank you. Also pulled from the picket line, Darren Lynn Bowsman, yes. writer-director of several Saw movies and Spiral and so many things you've seen. So, Darren, it's so great to see our genre bonded together in such an important event. Yep. So what has your relationship with the WGA been and what has it meant to you? Well, I mean, I think it's it's important because I have a family now. Um, and, you know, when I started out, I did not have I was not signed to WGA or DGA. Um, and so, you know, I made a couple of movies very early on that were very popular and I did not see the fruits of that labor. Right. Uh, and then I joined the unions and then I started getting residual checks and foreign levies. And I was able to actually have a family and a house and a mortgage. And I think it's, it's important because, um, you know, we put a lot of work into what we do. We put a lot of anguish and sweat and tears. And, you know, I want to be paid for the, the, you know, the labor that's put in. And I think that um, it's amazing to be here and see so many people that I'm fans of and so many people's work that I respect. Um, those are the true artists. Those are the people that have made my favorite movies and the, the things that I love. And I think that's what's very important right now. Those people need to be supported and they need to be paid for what they do. Um, you know, and when you look at it, 80% of the people making the wealth, I couldn't name who they are. I don't know the work they've done, but I could tell you half the people on that picket line because I own their DVDs or their Blu-rays or I have posters of them on my wall. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I love being out here. Um, and I just want this thing to end quickly. 
I don't think that's going to happen. But no. but also our community, horror films are among the lowest budgeted of the movies out there. Yep. They don't require movie stars. And so minimums are really important. Yep. And residuals are really important. Exactly. And the streamers don't offer any of that. Well, I think that that also is hard. When I started in 2005, I think when Saw 2 came out, um, it was all about theatrical. You had to get, you know, theaters, 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 and then you had you had DVDs, and then you had pay-per-view. Now it just goes to a streamer, it goes to Netflix, it goes to Hulu, and it's cut out so many of those avenues in which I used to be able to make money. And now I can't make money during that. And I, I think that it's, um, it's, it's shocking how I've, you know, seen those, those checks dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. Um, because now you want to be on Netflix, you want to be on Amazon, you want that, but you don't make the profits from it. Yeah, it's not like broadcast television, which no. certainly treats the artists and creators better than streaming does. Streaming, nobody knew what it was going to become, that it would overwhelm everybody's delivery sources. It, it has, and I mean, I just had a, a movie that I finished uh, a couple, a year and a half back now, and um, it's hard because the best offers are coming from the streamers, but that means the less amount of money for me. So there's part of me that, that you know really wants to fight to have that theatrical experience. But you know, streamers are where it's gonna get the most eyeballs. But I know if it goes to streamers, it is going to again hurt my family because I don't see the same um, I don't see the same payment back on something like that. Tell me about the pride you feel on being a part of our genre, which is so tightly bound well you know it's so funny before i even knew you were here i was talking to a a, a young filmmaker and asked me if i'd met any of these people and i said you know horror is so insane and, and amazing because of the camaraderie and i mentioned the masters of horror dinner and he knew exactly it was oh mixed dinner and i said yeah and it's 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 crazy because here are these people that, that spill blood and do these macabre things and they're the nicest most down-to-earth supportive people you know, Mick, I've had you over to my house to, to watch early cuts of movies. I have called a lot of the people on that picket lines to read scripts. Um, and I think that it is so supportive and it feels like a family, a very dysfunctional, bloody family. Yeah. And what's great about this genre, too, is everybody pulls for each other. Yep. Rather than outside the horror genre, in the more mainstream stuff, everybody's jealous of one another and competing against each other. But yeah. we all want each other to succeed. It, it raises, what is that thing, a rising water raises all ties? Is that, am I saying that right? Uh, the, the idea that close basic, enough. close <laughs> enough. Uh, uh, it's that, it's that if, if, let's say, Adam Green has a successful slasher movie, that helps me sell my slasher movie. If, if Mick Garris has a, you know, a very amazing haunted house movie, that helps me in my haunted house movie. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's the success of one is the success of all in horror. Yeah, we're all on the same team, and it's really exciting when everybody gathers for an event like this that has social import as well as just it, being great to be together. It, it does, and I think, you know, th this is great in so many reasons. You know, it gets me out of the house, it gets me walking, and it gets me seeing people uh, and, and reminding of things because it's basically since COVID, life has changed. There's, there's less events, there's less people getting together and so this is the third or fourth picket I've gone to and every time I'm meeting new people and reconnecting with old people and uh, it's it's great it, and again it helps remind me why I do this as well um, it, it's fantastic and it's just exciting to be part of it I wish the circumstances were different but it's exciting to be here and show support great thanks thank great you, to you see Mick. You, nice Derek. seeing you I'll All talk right. to you soon
to see you in person. Good to see you, man. Great okay. To see you. Yeah. So Josh Rubin, yes, sir. also been walking the line. So good to see you in person rather than across the screen. It's great to see you. I'm glad you got through the old Coco okay. Feeling I good? did. I'm feeling great. <laughs> it lasted about a week and then I was done with it. Yeah. And beautiful. it was done with me. So writer, director of Werewolves Within. Yes, sir. And such a great movie and such a wonderful member of this community that yeah. has come out to demonstrate on behalf of the Writers Guild, but particularly as the, part of this family of horror creators. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. I also, I, I, I thought to myself, hey, maybe I'll take this time to do a spec, maybe even write in my journal, and it feels so hard to creatively get it up, knowing that my community is out here, and I'm one of those quote-unquote multi-hyphenates where if I'm not directing, I'm acting, if not acting, I'm writing. Right. So to be out here, as a member of three guilds, three unions means more to me and is so immensely important to be out here as opposed to like, yeah, maybe I'll take this time to see if I can crack that creature, the Black Lagoon, oh. uh, you know, whatever, how, uh, story in a living room. Um, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. I mean, we're not asking for a lot. This guild is not asking for, a, for a, a lot. And so to be out here as a director and an actor supporting my fellow writers, as sure as a WG member, uh, there's no way I'd rather have it and do it because I would not have a profession. As you know, as a writer, yeah. it starts with the script. It starts with that scribble. Absolutely. And what are the elements that, that are most important to you about the agreement we're looking for with the producers? I think it's the, uh, well, it's a few things, but I think what's tied is the, um, the safety net of profit participation yeah. and fair profit participation. I mean, the times my ass has been saved by check, logging into my residuals portal and knowing I had a couple grand coming to help me with rent the next month or what have you, being in the other unions. Um, the fact that this profession, uh, you can be a senior who's been in it for 30 or 40 years and you're, you got this, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you'd have the same pay as a newcomer and yep. there'd be, um, there's no uh, nobility uh, and kind of respect to that. It, it doesn't become uh, it doesn't become a fair industry at that point. We're asking for profit participation and for fair wages because God knows they're getting it at the top. So yeah, the sure safety are. net is the How biggest How much thing. is David Zaslav getting this year? Oh, yeah. probably uh, another yacht. 200. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I hope he cracks open another bubbly and stares out at another uh, another yacht and, yes. and uh, understands why there's only two instead of ten this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've worked on non-union shows before as well. Have oh, you yeah, not? some time yeah. ago, yeah. So tell me about that experience, the difference between working on a non-guild, non-union show and working on a show where there's, there's safety nets and coverage. Oh my gosh, well, when, when I was, it was my time at College Humor making internet videos, so you'd scout the day that you got there, was the day that you met your actors, was the day that you'd wrap out. And so the, you know, the director would help offload the truck <laughs> and also uh, you know, certainly have no back end to what I did thousands and thousands of videos and that was a salary position with a big corporation way back when I've done very few non-union gigs it's the again I mean it's the safety net the guarantee that the work that you put in the um, immensity of creative output creating stories that people can you know say uh, that have characters that you might dress up as for every Halloween that become the fabric of a culture and yet you have to go there's the risk that someone who comes up with a story of that nature and that impact would have to go on assistance well yeah. the those profiting at the top are buying another boat it just it's so fucking beyond so i i, I can't i can't articulately quote uh or, or or 
um, regurgitate what Colin Farrell so brilliantly said in Times Square the other day, but it's, I'd rather quote Amanda Seyfried, like, it's easy, like, come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's it like to be a part of such a celebratory community as the horror? Oh, there's group. nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I still talk, I, was, I had actually had lunch with Mike Flanagan the other day, which is still, it just feels like I'm talking through a fever dream, the fact that it happened. <laughs> I still don't feel kind of worthy of being amongst, you know, just having talked to Lee Winnell about the craft of blocking five seconds ago. I still don't quite believe it. It's the most welcoming, as you've articulated many times on your show, most uh, most loving, most um, supportive demographic of filmmaker, of community I've ever experienced. I, even just the day that, you know, Barbara Crampton <laughs> followed me on Twitter after my film went to Sundance. I still can't get over that, you know, I was seen. And if I felt seen by all these wonderful heroes, there's, there's nothing like it. It's you know? truly beautiful and the opposite of what people expect yeah. from people who create their nightmares. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you know, I'm sure we'd have a great time working on CBS's uh, The Doctors. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, no you doubt. know, <laughs> I don't think there'd be the same level of support, you know. Probably not. Probably but, not. Well, Josh, thank you so much. And for those of you who've not seen Werewolves Within, check it out. It's going to surprise you. Thank you so much. God, I hope so. Thanks for joining us. Mr. Lee Wanell has joined us, a writer-director of The Invisible Man, a writer of Saw, so many movies that we know and love. And this is such a special day because so many of the people who have contributed to the movies that we love within this genre have banded together to support this incredibly important cause. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember the time we did it in uh, 2007. Yeah. Same location, Warner Brothers. The Exorcism. <laughs> exactly. That's how long I've been around. Is I, you and I remember the first horror gathering at the at the other strike. Yeah. The the earlier strike. So this is awesome. I mean, it it you know as you know, feature film writing is a lonely profession. So when you get together and you see all these other people that do what you do, it, it's kind of a celebration. Even though what we're here for is a serious cause that's not fun no um it does become a celebration when you see your fellow horror writers well th that's what's really impressive about the horror genre is this sense of solidarity this sense of support it's not a competition everybody wants everybody to win yeah very much so i feel that within horror in a way that you don't in, <laughs> in other genres yeah. and just the general studio space um i love it i just love having dinners and obviously you've thrown many a dinner with uh the, the horror the, the horror gang of people from the past and you know uh, people who've come along recently it's just fun to get together with people who love what you love yeah yeah well what's important about what's at stake for the writers guild for you I mean I think that the industry's changing right in front of our eyes I mean uh, COVID obviously did not help and in it seemed like overnight the playing field for everything changed and the way the streamers were conducting themselves, it's just not healthy. I mean, people need to be able to sustain a living. You know, we can't live in a gig economy. And also, there are people who've been around long enough to know what it used to be like. You used to be able to make a living. You used to be able to buy a house in this town. Off your yeah. Things are changing, and it's at some point you have to, you know, kind of plant your flag in the ground and say, no, stop for a second. I need to be sharing in these spoils since I'm providing the intellectual property. How you does know, this feel different from the 2007 strike? I mean, it seemed like we were an island at that time. Right. But there seems like other guilds and other uh, right. places of support, including President Biden. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that um, I think that there's just to me there's just more dread and doom and gloom involved in this one. The last time felt like we're standing up for something that's important to us. We're in this fight. We're alone on it, but we got there. This time feels like this time it feels like the issue at hand is the very nature of this industry and how it's dealt with. It's it's an existential crisis. It feels like we're starting over where the Screenwriters Guild did back in the 30s. A hundred percent. There's, you know, and it's it's not a good feeling because, you know, I feel like these the, the streamers and these huge tech companies essentially that are grinding out all this content, they're approaching things like tech companies do. It's very bottom line driven. There's not those talent connections anymore. It's just all numbers on a whiteboard. And it fills me with dread because I'm like, are these guys even going to play fair? Are they going to just wait out the writers? And last time it felt like there was some hope that people would come to the table and they did. But, you know, I, I, I worry about the people on the other side of the negotiating table this time. It's, it's a great community to be banded together with, though. And yeah. it, it's so great to see people come together, not just for a social reason, but for something that's really important to our lives and our futures. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you hear all the honking in the background of this interview. Feels like the city of L.A., this town, is on our side. You know, this, this is an industry town. It's, it's the place you come to to get into the film industry. You did it. Yeah. Oh, I did it. Yeah. I'm from Australia. I was born in L.A. Oh, you were born. Yeah, you were already here. <laughs> you, woke, here. you woke up in the simulation. I, I was, I'm one of the many stories. I'm one of those people who, who gets off the bus. In my case, it was a plane. <laughs> yes. I had to cross an ocean. Uh, but I'm one of those stories. I'm one of those people that moved to Los Angeles with a suitcase and this... And this dream, it sounds sounds trite to say it, but it really, that was my dream since true, I was a little it, kid. And it happened for you. Yeah, and I, I feel so thankful for that, to this town. And, um, you know, I, 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 I feel like um, this is a town where people, all these people we see out here, they think, they think things up for a living. Yeah. They, everything they have to offer is up here in their head. And... There is no content without what's in their head. And so I, I, I feel the love of everyone in the town. It's good. And, uh, and you know, and, and from this, you know, this feels very specific to me. Yeah, yeah. Because well, <laughs> we're all horror writers. What is the difference? Is there the protection in Australia that the guilds provide as there is in the U.S.? There is. I mean, Australia has their unions set in place. But I think, uh, you know, over here in the U.S., the industry is a, is a bigger beast and, you know, for better or worse, the U.S. is driving a lot of the, the winds of entertainment. You know, if, if America sneezes, the world catches a cold. Yeah. <laughs> and and, 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 and that's the, that is the case for the sake of entertainment. When, when the U.S. started switching over to streaming, the world followed. So I think any of the problems here are going to just flow over there. And so it's, 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 it's worth confronting here. I feel like we're here, we're fighting it on the home front where it's yeah. born. Yeah. You know, these, these offices, these buildings, that's where all these ideas and plans and, you know, five-year business models, that these buildings are where that is all born. Yeah, so, and where they're all shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so if you want to make an impact, by standing out the front of this major studio with a sign, the people who actually make decisions can hear you. Yeah. Not figuratively hear you. Yeah, yeah. They can but literally no. hear you. And, uh, 
I like that. I like that some person's like, ah, if only the honking would stop, I could get some work done. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, go bother back, them. I go back to my college days and doing war, anti-war protests right. and all of that stuff. And it just feels great to be an activist. It does, you know, especially when you do it with a, it's one thing to stand out in front of a building with one sign alone. Yeah. That can really, you know, I've seen people do that and you'll be like, ah, oh, this poor person. But for this, when you're part of an army, like it really, you really do feel like you are making an impact. Yeah. Like and it's more than listen. an army. It's a community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll still be a community when the strike's over. And you know, maybe even tighter knit. Yeah, exactly. I will, I will still get together with my horror friends i have my little horror crew that i get together and and you know you have your crew and we all we all have our we have our people you know i, I think when you grow up loving horror you kind of feel like an outsider it's like the dark arts. absolutely but then when you come to la you realize there's so many other people like you it, <laughs> I'm not it's alone. not a small tribe anymore <laughs> i think there was one other guy at my high school that loved horror movies he and i could talk everyone else just thought i was a weirdo then i moved to la and realized there were thousands of, 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 us, of, weirdos. of, of us weirdos. <laughs> and once, once, once thousands of weirdos hang out together, they're not outsiders anymore. That's right. We are they're a community. A community. Yeah. And, and it's really wonderful and it's so supportive. And it really is. I'm so happy and proud to be a part of it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I still remember, you know, you introducing me uh, to all these people I grew up loving, whether it's, you know, Bill Lustig or... Uh, you know, all these people that I love, you know, um, Stuart Gordon and all these people and, and me just being giddy and thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm meeting all my heroes. But the way they talked to me was they were just excited for me. Yeah. They yeah. weren't they weren't looking down like, yeah, you, you know, new kid, new kid, you know, <laughs> trying to take my job. They were really genuinely excited, like, oh, man. And I was like, wow, these this is unique within the entertainment business. Yeah, we're pulling for each other. We're pulling, yeah. I don't know that that is the case everywhere else. You know, if you're Definitely on a TV not. show, it's it's a yeah. bloodbath. Yeah. But yeah. in the horror community, there is that camaraderie. It's genuine. Yeah. It's so great to have you as a part of this. Oh, absolutely. And I Lee, love this. It's great to talk with you, and we'll we'll have to do a full-length show together. Exactly. Soon. I would love that. I would love that. Thank you so much, Mick. Great. Cheers, right, mate. Thank this you. This is great. Thank you. Hi, Tom Holland, writer-director, here with the famous Mick Garris. Here we are, on the line, on the strike line, in front of Warner Brothers Studios. Tom, of course, is the writer-director of Fright Night and of Child's Play, the writer of Psycho 2, and just an all-around, he hits all the bases in our genre. Well, the same thing could be said of Mick, and Mick has hit them several times, even. <laughs> the basement, yeah, the basis. Well, we are here for a very specific reason. The, the Writers Guild of America is on strike, and specifically, there's a group of genre writers and filmmakers who are here today to show their own solidarity. So, Tom, why are you here participating in this strike? Because I'm older and I still need work. And there's <laughs> ageism all over this business. And there's a lot of putting down of horror, too. When I first came into this business, doing horror was the red-headed stepchild of the writers of the, of the community and anybody who did it was looked down on. And now, it's the most consistently remunerative of the movie and television and streaming genres. 
Now, you've been through, as I have, a couple of strikes before. I think it was 88 and 2007. I was through 77 or 78 was the first one. Wow. Jim Bridges and I walked the line together. Fantastic. So tell me what you feel is at stake this time, why, why the strike is important this time around in 2023. Okay. The, you don't really realize it when you're working all those years, but your pension and welfare are enormous positives that you've been working for and the union provides for you. And that you, you pay into all your life. And you pay into all your life. And you don't know how important it is until you get to a certain point, which everybody gets to. And, and it's the Writers Guild that has made it so much easier for me. Don't get me started on SAG. <laughs> okay. Your turn. Well, I, I just am curious to know about the specific elements. Is it AI? Is it the, the lack of residuals from streaming? There's so many important elements that are coming together this year that all of the other guilds are joining in solidarity. SAG has recommended to its voters that they support the vote to strike. The DGA is on the verge of their strike. So it seems like it's the first time where everybody's in agreement that could actually bring the producers and the studios to their knees. It's because streaming has ripped the business apart. Streaming has changed your whole, uh, the way you think of uh, how you're gonna build your career and take care of your family at some point. And what's happened is, is they, they, they killed residuals. The streamers stopped residuals and writers have, have for at least when I came into business for generations have lived on residuals. I think that I think that Ronald Reagan made that deal for SAG originally. Yeah, when the, he was president of SAG. That's right. He made a deal and got residuals for the for the actors. And then it then it followed in the writers guild. But this is you you keep working, you get credits and you build up a cash flow from residuals. Right. And streamers don't pay residuals. It's a one time only payment. One time only payment, it's a buyout. And because of their position of strength in terms of, of the employment, they have been able up till now to impose that, 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 that diminution of, 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 of money. What's happened is those who work in the business, writers, directors, actors, are making less in the last 15, 10, 15 years with streaming. And it's been set up that way by the majors who are richer than ever. And if you look at the salaries that the CEOs are taking, 100, 150 million, and you've got writers with families and actors, all of whom are starving, starving to death or can't pay their medical bills. And everybody thinks when they're 30 years old, well, I'm not going to get sick or I'm not going to have children that need to go to college or whatever. And then you turn around 10, 15 years later and it's, oh my gosh. <laughs> And that's, that's what the majors have done to us, and that's what they've done with, with the last contract negotiation. They sucked us in every time, saying, ah, don't, don't charge us a lot of money now, let us get started. And the minute they're started, ah, people, people making noise, they're honking, honking in for support the strike. of the strike. But I mean, there's, it, 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 people are making less now than they did 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's built into the system and it's a system imposed by the majors. Well, tell me how you feel about the solidarity of our genre. The community seems so tightly knit. The horror community is extraordinary because we've all been hanging out with each other for a lifetime, really, yeah. because nobody else would talk to us originally. 
Yeah. I mean, I remember they didn't want horror writers in the academy. Yep. They didn't want horror directors in the academy. Oh, because we are an embarrassment. That's right. Yeah, we are that's the gutter right. genre. Talk to John Landis. He can give yeah. you the, the history of it. Yeah. But so that's why I'm supporting the strike wholeheartedly, and I urge all the other creative people and the public that watches and that loves our material or hates it, <laughs> please support this. Help is needed. It's an important one this time around, maybe more at stake than ever before. Yes, 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 yes. All right, Tom, thanks so much for talking to us. Mick, thank you so much. Solidarity, for being, brother. For being Mick and solidarity. <laughs> So great to catch up with Mike Flanagan, who has been on Postmortem more than any other guest. I'm shocked to hear that. I'm honored to hear that. <laughs> well, that, it's that, so great. Yeah. Well, it just He represents everything that's great about the, the genre community that we're a part of. You know, we're all so supportive of each other. And, of course, you know Mike from Dr. Sleep. He's a writer-director, a creator of The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor and so many other wonderful things on television. Uh, on streaming so you are really affected by the elements of, th of this strike oh certainly yeah I, I mean we all are um, but yes absolutely I but feel a like a huge I, yeah. percentage of your career has been specifically Netflix yes for the last five years basically yeah. I've been exclusively doing work for Netflix so tell me about the important elements to the strike to, for the WGA and what they're asking for that, that mean most to you? Well, I mean, I think everything on the table is important and there's a huge discussions to be had about AI and, and, and things that are gonna be, I think, very impactful down the line, but immediately issues of the elimination of residuals, basically from, from the profession. Um, the size of writing uh, of writers' rooms, the duration of employment, you know, along with the things that are always on the table, like the minimums and, and things like that, which are important to fight for. Netflix and other streamers really have been at the very forefront of the removal of a lot of these elements over the years that really were kind of the lifeblood of, of writing as a as a as a profession. And so, you know, I've I've benefited a great deal by working for streamers, but I've also been front row for a lot of the changes that have happened on the contractual levels that have really hurt writers and actors too. You know, uh, a lot of the issues with residuals and with buyouts that have affected writers have absolutely decimated um, the ability for a lot of working actors to yeah. just make a living. Well, they call it a buyout, but that normally implies paying more than Correct. a minimum. Yeah. It's not a buyout. It's just paying you once and then shooing you and away. And then shooing you away. It's simply the removal of any participation in the product that we create. And, you know, it's a, it's a cynical decision that was made at a time when we had this new technology in streaming and, and the studios took the position of, what, what is streaming? We'll never know how this works and how it's monetized. Yeah. We can't possibly cut you in on it. And then they made such an amazing amount of money while slowly pushing everybody away from the table. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a critical time for everyone to kind of dig in. And I think that's what's interesting about AI right now is the same arguments that were used about streaming 
are being used. You know, we don't understand AI. How how's it going to work? We can't possibly, yeah. you know, be expected to to define the impact of that technology at this stage. Um, it, it sounds familiar, and it sounds, unfortunately, disingenuous. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think in this particular case, for me, I think the reason everyone's here is to make sure that writing for a living remains a profession and doesn't become a gig. Well, as someone who has created several series, tell me what the impact on a writer's room would be. Um, what it is working for a streamer, what it would be, um, what we're missing, what we're lacking, what we're asking for. Well, one of the big things is that the, the size and the length of writer's rooms has been intentionally whittled down. Right. Uh, they get smaller and shorter. The number of order, the ordered episodes shrinks as yep. well. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's become now, when, with the advent of mini rooms, hey, writers are ambitious people that want to tell stories and they want to prove themselves and they want to continue working. So they figured out if you had a room with four writers in it uh, for 10 weeks, that that room would still generate great work. Right. When it used to be a room that had 15 writers in it for 30 weeks, you know? Right. And so as that was, as that contraction kind of became the norm, um, writers' rooms became full of people who were competing much more ferociously for a seat at the table at all, um, who wanted desperately, because a writer's room has a, has a fixed uh, ladder within it. It, it has a... It, it has a built-in mechanism for people to train and to evolve and to level up both in, in responsibility and in title and in compensation. All of that started to change. Um, there were far less chances for writers to write, uh, to, to even get into the room, much less advance within the room. And the studios could always fall back on the ultimate silver bullet that you can use against any creatives, which is that there's a hundred thousand people waiting for that seat. Yeah. If you're going to have the nerve to say, no, I'm not going to sit in it unless you compensate me properly. So writer's rooms became starved. They became smaller, they became cheaper, but all that really accomplished was forcing writers to do the work they would do anyway for far less and knocking people out of the business. And now, you you sign on to a major network show. It used to be that you could reliably be employed for the duration of that show, uh, often into production, and, and come to set and learn about all the other people in the industry, all the other jobs in the industry with whom you're collaborating to make a finished product. Writers are kept in rooms now. They're kept off set. Uh, the rooms are barely enough uh, time to keep them employed for a year, you know? Um, so people start taking other jobs or dropping out of the business altogether. It, it's, a, it's an existential fight. And I think that's why the studios are quick to try to point to individual issues, to say, well, let's talk about the minimums. Let's talk about you know, a nominal bump in residual compensation. Let's talk about all these things. What they're not addressing is that it's an existential fight, that right. it's, it's a much bigger thing. And I think that's why even today as we're all walking around and being reunited with so many people within the community and there's a lot of smiles and there's a lot of joy to be together, there's also a lot of determination and you're seeing actors, you're seeing uh, members of all the other unions in town, you're hearing 
under my voice right now, you're hearing the traffic that's going by, yeah. um, who are all supportive of this because I think the industry's recognized it's existentially important on a level that affects all of us. And the writers are just the first domino to fall this time. But right. SAG and DGA are right behind. They and, are, and yeah. this is a first. You know, the previous strikes that I've been a part of, we felt like we were all alone yeah. as writers uh, because the directors were not going to walk. The actors were not going to walk. But now it seems because the fight is so obvious in the case of streamers in particular that it's going to affect actors and directors just as poorly as it affects the writers. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a unity and solidarity that Hollywood has never seen before. It certainly feels that way. And I think the other thing is that for the most part, I find that even on the executive and studio level, the majority of people agree that the deal needs to improve. And they say, you're right. You know, and the, the executives I talk to, the producers I talk to, individually say, yeah, we think this is reasonable. We think this is correct. We understand it. The resistance is coming from a much higher room. You know, it's, it's, yep. coming, from, it's coming from a place that isn't even on the ground, I think, in the industry. It's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't want to say it because it sounds so kind of corporate boogeyman-y, but it's, it's the boardroom decisions. It's yep. the Wall Street decisions. Yeah. It's the shareholders' decisions. It's succession. Like, it's succession, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it really, that, that's the thing that amazes me is if I talk, I've never gotten into an argument about these points even with studio executives. Everybody you're exposed to agrees. Everyone I'm exposed to is like, yeah, absolutely. The deal needs to be better, and we need to protect the industry. You know? But David Zaslav does not meet creators. No. He doesn't deal with them at all. No, and and so I he's making these ridiculous decisions. I worked at Netflix for five years. I've never met or spoken to Ted. Yeah. Never. And you've yeah. been responsible for some of their most successful content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, there's a there's a division I think between the people at the very top, and the actual workforce. Yeah, you know, and and whether that's by accident or design, that division only makes situations like this worse. Um, yeah, it, and I think the more we all talk to each other and realize that we all live and die in the same industry, you know, yep. with the same rules the easier it is to cut through the conflict and find a way to carve this all up. Um, and yeah. tell me how it feels to be a part of this incredibly closely knit community of the genre. Well, I, you know, I think when it, when it comes to the different communities within the industry, you're not going to find a, a community that is more supportive, more welcoming, kinder and more connected and supportive of each other than what you find in the horror community. It's always been that way. Um, we root for each other, we support each other, we don't compete with or try to keep each other back. Um, I felt that from the, the earliest days when I was lucky enough to suddenly feel that I was part of the community, which is its own crazy moment that yeah. everyone has where they go, wait, I'm, am I part of this? Yeah, I do um, what they do. <laughs> yeah, that, no way. And, 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 and you just keep running up to people and saying, I love your work. I love what it is that you do. What are you doing next? How can I help? You know, it's, I, I think the horror community is special this way. And I think it's because we work in a genre, regardless of, of what people may think about the darkness of the stories we tell, 
we working hard because we use it to examine humanism and empathy. And so the people I meet here are some of the kindest, most incredible people in, in the business. You know, it's so for for a horror genre showing here outside of Warner Brothers, uh, a studio I've worked for and had a wonderful time making a horror movie. You know, it's yeah. it's a it's a wonderful thing. And while we're all sad to be here, we're all really grateful to have each other's backs and to see some familiar faces. It is so great. And Mike, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. But you are such a perfect example of what this genre community is all about. Oh, man. Look, you're, you have always been one of the greatest advocates for the genre and one of the people who brings people together in uh, such a profound way. It's a gift you've always had. Uh, and here we you. are again today. You know, everybody's here shaking hands and patting each other on the back. And, and once again... Here you Here are at the are. center of it, pulling us all in. Here so, we are. Yes. Yeah. All right, Mike, thank you so much. Oh, man. So great to see you. Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Postmortem with Mick Garris is produced by Mick Garris and Joe Russo. Our sound engineer is Christopher Leon Price. Our announcer is Jeff Gelb. Our graphic designer is John Holland. And our theme was composed and performed by Bill Burney with additional music by John Jasensky. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.